Matthew, but at this time we have our uh, junior church age class uh, for our, I believe it's parents' discretion, but four and, four and above there up into, now if you're older, you need to be up here, okay? Fifth grade and up. High schoolers. We are going to be in, uh, I say, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, actually. Matthew chapter 7. We gave out a couple prizes this morning in our uh, junior age Sunday school class for the funniest costume, and then the my wife said the most original, and we had uh, Audric won the funniest. I'm not sure who won most original. She gave that out, and I was dealing with somebody, something else. Uh, but Audric won the most funny, and uh, he's got, have you ever seen those flags like at car lots? They're waving their arms and stuff, wind flags. Audric had that, and uh, he didn't have, he made the wind, so he was shaking around. It was, it was cute. I, uh, I hadn't seen a costume like that before. <clears throat> But um, so he won. But uh, we don't we don't celebrate Halloween. We're we're celebrating a harvest, and we are um, uh, I'm for candy for sure. And well, I don't eat too much candy myself, but uh, I like it, and the kids like it too. And so we're gonna have a good time uh, here today with that. Uh, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse uh, number twenty one. We're gonna begin reading here. And uh, read down to verse number 25, and then we'll pray, and you may be seated. The Bible says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth uh, the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy, in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many uh, wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Let's pray. Father, I need you this morning. God, I pray you'd still hearts. I pray that our attentions would be directed to your word now. But I pray that you'd speak to us from your word. I pray that you'd give us what we need. Lord, feed us. Lord, help this, help this important couple of uh, scriptures here. Help it to permeate our hearts that we may realize, Lord, I think the great gravity that's in these Lord, both for us to have a relationship with you and, and for us to point others to a relationship with you as well. I pray that you'd uh, speak to us, minister to us, and uh, Lord, we, we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Somebody know Brother Dan's out helping with the uh, equipment? Is he doing that? Okay. I just got a text from uh, Don asking where to put those mounts out. Maybe you want to direct. You got him? Okay. All right. In this passage here that we read, we have uh, the Lord who has, um, he, well, actually in a chapter number 
1506 it is, uh, we have uh, actually chapter number five. In this passage we read, we see Jesus in chapter five begin his sermon on the mount, and he begins preaching on the Beatitudes and what we uh, entitled some time ago as we preached through the Beatitudes. We called them heavenly attitudes, heavenly attitudes that we ought to have as uh, believers in Christ, <clears throat> that we ought to aspire to, uh, to practice, to emulate. As he gets into chapter 6, he's preaching maybe a little harder, maybe a little more uh, directly against some things and, and some uh, more clear instruction. Uh, he's preaching against hypocrites. He's preaching against how to give in, that we ought to give in humility, how to pray, how to fast, how to, uh, that we ought to uh, lay up treasures in heaven to seek first the kingdom of God in all matters of life as believers. And uh, then he goes on to remind us that we're not going to be on this earth forever if we're saved. Uh, we're just on this earth for a temporary amount of time. Uh, average lifespan, about 80, uh, mid-80s or so. And uh, so I'm getting pretty close to my half, halfway voyage here. Actually, I'm over my halfway voyage. What are we talking about? And, uh, but uh, but uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to getting uh, to my eternal destination someday. I know I, I, I need to remind myself and understand that I'm not going to be here uh, eternally. And so the things that I do, I had, a, a, I had somebody message me uh, on Friday and say, you got anybody that wants to lay some block and some bricks, $50 an hour cash, uh, Saturday and Sunday. I texted him and I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I said, no, I'm not going to promote somebody, especially at my church, for uh, people to go make some money on, uh, on Sunday uh, there. And uh, he, uh, we said, I said, first, I'm not going to. I would, I'd like to make some money. But uh, then I told him, uh, I'm not going to promote that either. Uh, but anyway, um, and reason being, one of the reasons is because I'm not going to be here forever. And uh, I, want to, I want to do the things that matter for God. We got a big full day uh, today, and I want to share the gospel. We want to minister to people. We want to participate in this activity that we've been praying for for some time and have a hand in it. I want to seek the eternal things of God. And so that's what Jesus encourages here in uh, chapter number 6. When we get to verse number 21, uh, verse number 21, uh, actually chapter number 7, I got my numbers wrong there. Chapter number 6 and chapter number 7. We just read it. When we get to verse number 21 of chapter number 7, he makes an interesting statement in verse number 21. Have you considered this passage of Scripture before? Have you considered this verse? I've read it time and time again. If you're like me, you've read it over and over probably uh, through maybe a yearly Bible reading, re reading through the Gospels or what have you. But Jesus says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I think about that verse there. God says, not everybody that says to him, Lord, Lord, is going to get to heaven. You know, one of the ways that uh, somebody gets saved is you do need to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to understand our sin nature. And we need to understand our need for the Savior, and we need to call on Him individually and ask Him for salvation. 
That's how we get saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Jesus says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What exactly is the will of the Father that he mentions here? I believe it's very simple. I'm going to give you a couple verses in support of this. It is those that receive Him as Savior. It is not, it is, uh, it is uh, uh, not God's will that any should perish, or it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody in hell. It's God's will that all be saved. And uh, we've, we've mentioned before, yes, uh, God is omniscient. God knows everything. He knows who's going to be saved. He knows who's not going to receive Him. But it's our responsibility, it's our duty as Christians to be obedient to the command to, call, uh, to, to tell people uh, the saving message of the gospel. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, the Bible says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I got a definition for repentance here. I believe there's a repentance in our daily communion with the Lord that we need to exercise and to have a right standing with Him, but there's also repentance involved in salvation. The Bible says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. A definition for repentance is this, as I understand. It means an inward change in the heart and in the mind. In salvation, it is turning myself from myself and what I believe and turning to God. And in doing so, I turn away from that, from that, from that lie, from that uh, false uh, belief there. And so those that will be able to enter into the kingdom of God are those that do the will of the Father by coming to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior through faith and repentance in Christ. And so we need to receive Jesus Christ as the payment for our sin. It is God's will that we do that, that everybody does that. And uh, unfortunately, though, not everyone has and not everyone will. As Jesus continues in the message here uh, that he's preaching, he gives quite a few different groups uh, that form quite the list of people who... Uh, without knowing Jesus, will not enter into the kingdom of God. Have you noticed that? Whole, whole slew of uh, different people. We're going we're gonna to see those here, and then we're going to see, of course, uh, some good news at the end there. And so I want to say this. According uh, to the Bible, uh, everyone who does not know Christ as Savior will not get to heaven. That's clear as day from the Word of God. If one, I'm, not, uh, I'm not trying to be harsh. I should have said that a little more compassionately. Uh, and I, I mean that compassionately, that uh, those that don't know Christ as Savior will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not based upon a religion to get to heaven. It's not based upon good deeds uh, to get to heaven, as we'll see here uh, shortly. The Bible says this in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
And so this morning, we're going to examine this passage. We're just going to dissect it, and, and uh, we're going to take a surprising look at a list of people that Jesus said wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven because they didn't know Him. I want you to notice here, verse number 22 is going to be our focus. Notice number one, the first group of people that the Bible mentions that won't get into the kingdom of God if they don't know Jesus as personal Savior is this, praying people, praying people. Look at verse number 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord. And we understand that Jesus says those people that said unto him, that many people that said unto him, Lord, Lord, they're not going to get to heaven. What are they doing when they say, Lord, Lord? They're praying. They're calling to Him. That is praying. Communication with God is praying. Talking to Him is praying. What do you mean praying people won't get to heaven, Pastor? It's praying people that God does not know that won't go to heaven. The other day, I saw somebody who uh, claimed to be an atheist, and there was dialogue going back and forth, and uh, the atheist said something. They're like, thank God they weren't trying to push religion on me or something like that. Well, how idiotic is that, right? Um, you understand you just thanked God who you don't be say you don't believe in, but anyway, <clears throat> um, the people that God mentions in the Bible that aren't going to heaven are a group of people that have, that, have, uh, that have called on Him in prayer at times in their life, but just because they've called on Him in prayer doesn't mean that they know Him as Savior. It doesn't mean that they've received Him as Savior. It, didn't, it doesn't mean that they personally have received Him as their Savior by faith. And, and so there are a few people in the Bible, there are a couple people that I want to make mention of here that I've seen in Scriptures who've actually prayed to God, but they weren't saved, I believe, at the time. I want to direct your attention to a couple people. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. They, they, they prayed to the Lord. They prayed to God, a God, who they thought was God, and they did good things. But just because they did those things and even believed in God, you know the Bible says the devils believe in God and what? Tremble. And so we see here a uh, character, and I, I admire this man here and uh, think most uh, people of the world at his time would. Uh, we see Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. The Bible says this, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Now, if you continue reading here, uh, you'll see Cornelius was a religious man. He believed in God, and he feared God, the Bible says. He gave money to the poor. He prayed to God always, the Bible says. That's a lot of praying. How many of you prayed to God always? Uh, being an unsaved person, I don't know too many unsaved people that pray to God always, but he, he thought that he, uh, he, he believed in God and, and he did good things, but he wasn't saved. And until he got saved, if he would have died without receiving Jesus as his personal Savior, he would approach God and God would have said, depart from me, I never knew you. I believe he did get saved and praise the Lord for that. 
Cornelius got saved, he received Christ as his Savior, and uh, we see that uh, he called on the Lord, he entered into that relationship, and uh, he was able uh, for God to know him through a personal, intimate relationship. Uh, a second character that I'm just going to spend a little time on this, not much, is uh, the Canaanite woman. She's found in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, I don't believe she was a believer prior to, I don't believe she had received Christ prior to, but in a verse number 22, it says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, uh, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, uh, but he answered her not a word. This is the Lord. He didn't answer her. And his disciples came and besought, excuse me, besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but in the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Lord, uh, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it uh, to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The point that I want you to see in this, uh, this uh, character here is this. This Canaanite woman, uh, she wasn't a Jew. Uh, she, uh, in the Jewish customs, she was, she was below them. Uh, Jesus even calls her a dog. And uh, she, she, didn't, she hadn't received Christ as personal Savior. She hadn't received and entered into that intimate relationship uh, with Jesus. But I believe she got saved and uh, she exhibited faith. She, she, I believe, called on the Lord. But the point that I want us to see here in this first portion of the passage is that not all praying people will enter into the kingdom of God. It is those praying people that have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. A second category of people that Jesus says won't enter into the kingdom of God is this. Prophesiers of Christ. Prophesiers of Christ. Look at it again here. These people that Jesus says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. These people did this in verse 22. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Now, I've got a lot of questions about this portion of the passage here. But Jesus said, not everybody that says this is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many understand that there are false prophets in this world today? Say amen. Raise your hand if you understand that. I mean, absolutely. There's a, there's a myriad of places that people can choose to worship on a Sunday, on a Saturday, on any day uh, of, the, uh, of the week that they choose, actually. But uh, religions abound, but relationship is the key. Jesus wants a personal relationship with His creation. He becomes our Heavenly Father when we understand our need for Him and we personally accept Him as Lord and Savior in our lives. He will come into us and, and uh, he, he that uh, cometh to Him, He will in no wise uh, cast out. Now, I don't know how somebody who doesn't know Jesus can cast out devils. I don't know how somebody uh, preaches in his name and stuff and, and how that all works out here. But I do remember that Pharaoh's magicians reenacted a lot of things that 
uh, that God did. They, uh, they turned serpents, they turned the sticks into serpents, and they changed the, the water into blood, and, and they did many things, uh, but they weren't saved. And the point is this, not everyone who does stuff in the name of God is going to the kingdom of heaven. Number three. Number three, we see a, a third category. I just got one more here, but uh, after this. Number three, we see promoters of a social gospel. Promoters of a social gospel. What do you mean by that, Pastor Sam? Well, look at verse number 22. It says, these people, they cast out devils. Uh, they called on the Lord. Uh, they prayed. And uh, they did many wonderful works. Many wonderful works. What is a social gospel? What is the definition? definition I found of a social gospel is this. It's the idea of bringing social order with Christian principles. Now, good works are good. Good works should be manifest in, in believers. It is, it is fruit of salvation, but it is not fruit to salvation. And uh, uh, promoters of a social gospel, those that are always promoting, uh, maybe what we do uh, here uh, today, some different things that we do might be considered social gospel if the true gospel is not communicated. And what is the true gospel? What is the definition of the gospel? Somebody just shout it out. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it is the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Some people say good news. Well, death, burial, and resurrection is the good news right there. And that is the good news of the gospel that somebody needs to receive. Now, we can do a bunch of good things. I think our church does a bunch of good things. Uh, we march in a parade, we, we, and we, we give out treats, and, and uh, we have a Thanksgiving uh, accumulation of goods that we give and we donate, and uh, we've helped people with benevolence funds, and, and we'll help different uh, people in different scenarios and situations. Uh, all that stuff is good, but if the gospel is not preached, it's just a social gospel. That doesn't have the ability to save. And in that case, if somebody's belly was filled and they got their physical needs met, if they hadn't received Christ as Savior, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. In order to get to heaven, Christ has to be received as personal Savior. And good works are exactly what they are entitled. They are good works, uh, but they will never get a person uh, to heaven. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so, yes, absolutely, God wants us to perform good works after we've been saved uh, to honor and to glorify Him. And we plan on doing some good work uh, this afternoon in uh, sharing the gospel and letting people have a good time and letting him, them come on this campus and seeing uh, Christians participate in good, godly, wholesome fun. But if they don't get the gospel... Not as effective, profitable as it could be. When a person gets saved and enters into a relationship with Jesus, 
a fruit of salvation is good works. It is doing right. It is loving one another. It is loving our neighbor. It is, it is uh, having a sincere concern for the souls of mankind. And while it's always good to do right, Jesus said that those that called on Him, Lord, Lord, and they did many wonderful works in His name, He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't know how it all balances out there, but they were good works, not done in the power and spirit of God. All things hinge on the fact that they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus did not know them personally. Now, don't get ahead of me here, okay? I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, God is omniscient, all right? But Jesus didn't know them personally. They may have thought that they knew Him, but He didn't know them. They had never received Him as their personal Lord and Savior. Another sad thought that I, a group of people that won't enter into the kingdom of God uh, that we see in this passage here is in verse number 22 once again. It says this, it starts off with our key word. It says, many will say unto the, in that day, Lord, Lord. I don't know exactly what that number means, but I take many to mean a lot. Population of the world is 7.9 billion souls as of a couple days ago. 7.9 billion souls, almost 8 billion souls, and I read statistics that over half of that 8 billion uh, souls, so 4, 4 billion souls, have not heard the name of Jesus. Many of them do good things. Many of them calling to God, Lord, Lord, but they've not entered into a personal relationship with Him. Let me say this, they're not all overseas. They're not all in foreign countries. Plenty in our backyard. May even some in this room here this morning. It's a great population. Jesus said, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I thought about this verse when I was in the grocery store the other day, and I gave a lady an invitation to come to our uh, harvest activity and uh, trunk or treat, our chili cook-off and stuff, just trying to get the word out. We had different flyers. I don't have one up here, but uh, with the four special, five spe four special Sundays that we had, pumpkin pie, apple, candy apple, and stuff. I gave it to her, and she looked at it, and she said, I'm Catholic, I won't be going. She said it real sternly, too. I'm Catholic, I won't be going. And uh, I said, you know, that's, that's okay. The most important thing is the, is the, uh, the gospel, uh, which is on the back of the track that I gave her. I said it nicely, politely, and, and uh, tried to say it compassionately. And she said, I'm Catholic. I thought to myself, religious person. I thought to myself, praying person, perhaps. I thought to myself, probably, you know, unbeknownst to her, but probably a promoter of a social gospel does good things, you know. Uh, most religions are steeped in good, doing good things. And I thought, I wonder when it's time what Jesus will say to her. Would he say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity? 
would he say, I never knew you? Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think Catholics, I think anybody can be saved. If, you're, if you're, uh, your reasoning for thinking to, that you're going to heaven is because of a certain religion, though, you're not going to get there. If your reasoning for going to heaven is because you're a Baptist, you're a Catholic, Methodist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, what have you, any other reason then I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is going to end you up in the line or however it works out to where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's what the Bible says. So what does it mean to know Jesus? You say, Pastor Sam, God is omniscient. He knows everything. Yes, I believe He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Excuse me for the snort. <laughs> he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows, he, knows, he knows about you, yes. He knows everyone and everything. He is and, and does, but there needs to be a time when you receive Him as personal Savior, understand what He did for you on the cross, and receive Him as your personal Savior, and that's when you enter into that relationship. That's when the relationship is initiated. That's when he knows you. That's when he comes to know you personally. That's when you come to know him personally. That's the, that's the initiation. That's the birth into the kingdom of God. That is the birth into the family of God. That is when you become one of his children, not just a creation. And so for me, it was in the fourth grade. I believed in God. I believed... Uh, God, I even, I even knew that it was Jesus. I knew about Him. I knew that He, uh, 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 that he had created me, uh, but I had not received Him as my personal Savior. I knew He was awesome. I knew He was all-powerful. I knew that He created all things and me, uh, but I did not have a personal relationship with Him. But on a Thursday evening, uh, there was a man uh, that introduced me to Jesus, a soul winner, a good godly man, and he carried a full Bible, small Bible in his pocket, and uh, he took time out of his busy schedule on a Thursday night to minister to a bunch of snot-nosed kids during Awana's program. And they preached and they gave an invitation and they said, how many of you, you're not certain that if you died that heaven would be your home, but you'd like to know. And I raised my hand and I went forward. And uh, Mr. John Mason took me off to the side of the room there, sat me down on a chair, opened his Bible, and he showed me from the Word of God, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And he encouraged me to call on the Lord and ask Him to be my Savior. And that evening, I entered into a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus knew me. We began a relationship, and it's been, it's the greatest relationship that anybody could ever enter. I got saved. Now, this idea that uh, God gives in this story, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to try to illustrate this the best that I can. How many of you like Michael Jordan? You don't like Michael Jordan, Nate. That's before your time, I think. Uh, so we're talking mid-'80s. How many remember watching him in mid-'80s? I wasn't a big fan in mid-'80s. I was actually a Laker fan. Well, I was a Laker fan for a little bit. And uh, then uh, that's the whole Magic Johnson era, pretty much. Not the whole Magic Johnson, the end of the Magic Johnson era. 
And then, uh, then I picked up New York Knicks somehow, and I liked them. I liked Anthony Mason, and I liked Patrick Ewing, and I liked, uh, I was going to say Byron Scott. I liked Byron Scott on the Lakers. I liked, who did I like? John Starks. Um, but picked up them, and, and so <clears throat> didn't, uh, didn't like the Bulls because uh, the Knicks lost in the, in the finals to uh, the Bulls at least once that I remember. But anyway, I'm going to try to illustrate this point that I, uh, that I think I see here in uh, this passage here. Raise your hand again if you like Michael Jordan. All right. Raise your hand if he's the GOAT, whether you like him or not. All right, good. All right, so this, this passage here, as I understand it, I think I can illustrate it in this capacity. I've, I've come to like Michael Jordan. I'd say he's the GOAT. I'd say he's probably my favorite player of all time. I knew that he played for the Chicago Bulls. There was a time where after he retired, he came back. He played for the Wizards for I don't know how many years. I forget, but he won six championships. He, uh, he, um, he played for the North Carolina, what, Tar Heels? And I picked up a pair of Jordans at a yard sale that are in nice shape, the North Carolina blue, probably this past summer for 10 bucks. And But anyway, so... He played for the Tar Heels. He won six championships. He won a few dunk contests. And, uh, man, I, I liked him. I liked his commercials. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. How many like the Gatorade commercials? That's back in the day. Some of you had no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, I, I knew about him. I had, a, uh, well, I had a Dennis Rodman jersey for some time. I don't know where that went. But uh, it probably would work a little better if I had a Jordan jersey. I don't have one. But, uh, but you guys know Jordan, especially being from Chicago area. Probably some of you, anybody ever met Michael Jordan? No? I, uh, I heard a story of uh, some of the some preachers that uh, when they were in Bible college here, they went up to United Center there and they were watching games. And, and uh, one of them talked about how uh, their friend was so soul conscious and everybody wanted Jordan's autograph and stuff, but this guy wanted to give him a gospel track. That's what I'm talking about. And he was able to wit he was able to give him a track, I guess. And and uh, so that's pretty cool. But I don't know anybody that knows him, but I know about him. I uh, I know that man, he's great player, great player, but I want to illustrate this passage with this. You, you find out where Jordan lives. I don't know that he lives in Chicago land anymore, does he? Does anybody know? But uh, let's imagine this. You find out you're, you're Jordan's top fan. You're the number one fan. You claim to be, man, you're, you're, he is your, some people say idol. I don't like it when people use that word idol. I don't think they meet it as in they worship him, but I prefer to use a different uh, word. But uh, let's, let's say this, you're Michael Jordan's greatest fan. You find out where he lives, and, and uh, you show up at his house one day with your suitcase, and uh, you're wanting to, I need a Jordan. Uh, Carl, could you come up here, buddy? All right, come up. I didn't know, I, I didn't need to whisper that to you. We're going we're gonna to pretend that uh, this, is, uh, this is Jordan right here, okay? And I'm Jordan's greatest fan. I got my jersey on, and, and I'm looking up on the Internet, and I find out that uh, Michael Jordan lives. What's a ritzy Chicago area? Arlington Heights? That just popped in my mind. No? Not Gary. <laughs> Gold Coast? What? Barrington? I find out that he lives in Barrington. He's got a mansion, and he's there in the wintertime. And, man, I love the guy. I, I admire him. I got all his posters up in my wall. 
I've got all of his uh, videos on, I was going to say VHS, <laughs> DVD recorded, all of his highlights, the greatest games he ever played, trophies, and, uh, jerseys. I got on his jersey, and, but I find out where he lives, and man, I'm going to go visit. I'm going to go live with him. Get my suitcase, my jersey on, pull up to Barrington. Barrington Ridge or Barrington? Barrington. Pull up in the driveway there. And I don't even get to meet him because the uh, security guard at the gate <laughs> stops me. And uh, I say, hey, I'm, I'm Sam. I wanted to come, uh, come live with Mikey. Could I do that? He's, I love him so much. He's awesome. He's, I'm his top fan. And nobody loves him like I do. Man, I just want to serve here. I want to serve him and, and uh, be his errand boy. I want to, I want to, I want to, I love him. Man, I, and I got my flags and stuff, and, and I'm his top fan. Whenever I go to the games there, I used to uh, bring the bullhorns and stuff, and I just love the guy so much, and the guy cuts me off. He says, get out of here. What are you talking about? I'm going to call the cops if you don't leave. And I'm like, no, 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 please just call him and get him out. Or can I at least have his autograph? And uh, Jordan walks out, and he comes to the gate there. And I say, Jordan, you're so awesome, man. I'm your number one fan. I love you so much. I, I watch all six of your championships. And I remember back when you used to play at uh, North Carolina. And I got your blue uh, Nikes on right now. And, and can I move in with you? I got my suitcase. Now, I know everything about him. But he doesn't know anything about me. And the illustration is this. I can imagine many people... Because the Bible says it. Now, this is the Lord. This isn't Jordan anymore, okay? Many people are going to come and say, Lord, Lord, I, I did all this stuff. And, and uh, man, I, was, uh, I, I know all the sacraments. I kept them all. And, and I did all these pillars of my Islam faith. And, and uh, I uh, got the merit badges in, in this class. And and uh, I helped old people across the street, and, and I gave to the poor, the Bible says, and I helped people when they had need, and they die, whether it be the rapture, oh, we won't die at the rapture, or whether this passage be the rapture, or whether this passage be when somebody's physical body dies, they stand before God, and this person's pleading with them, what is the Lord going to say? if they haven't received Him as Savior. I'm going to read it again. You guys got it right. He says this, Lord, Lord, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Oh, this idea, hopefully that helped to somehow. But I want to close with this. I could, you can use anybody. I, I met Terry Bradshaw at, uh, at uh, the Kona International Airport. I don't know if it's international or not, intercontinental, I don't know. Uh, met Terry Bradshaw. My wife and I were waiting, delaying for one of my brother-in-laws to come over and visit us, and they were going to help us get a church started, knock some doors and stuff. And and uh, so we were killing time at Home Depot, walking around. And uh, my wife walked around the corner, got me. She says, "I think that's the guy from Monday Night Football." And I walked around the corner, and sure enough, it's it was the guy from Monday Night Football. Not just any guy. It wasn't Howie Long. 
It wasn't a, what's the uh, giant guy? Uh, anyway, it was Terry Bradshaw. He was at the uh, special order desk, and he was with his, I don't think they were married at the time, but he was with his wife and uh, future wife, and they were, they were doing some business. He had his hat down, I mean, pretty low. So you could, I'm surprised she noticed. It was down pretty low, just a, uh, just a uh, polo shirt on, a couple buttons undone, thinking he was cool or something, like he just got done fishing, I don't know. But he's at the table there, and, and I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I, I walked over there, and I had Sammy. Sammy was arm size at the time. I walked over patiently. Here's the special order desk, and I uh, just stood there and let him know that I wanted to talk to him. You know, I didn't want to interrupt him. And and uh, he finally got up and he walked over to me, which was super cool. I knew I knew that he had won four championships, uh, four Lombardies, and he's a little bit before my time watching on a regular basis. That's for sure. But I knew he who he was. And I walked over there, and I introduced myself to him. He had no idea who I was. I don't want to say that I entered into a relationship with Terry Bradshaw, but you guys get the point, right? I've got our pictures taken together, and that was, that was a cool thing to happen. There needs to be a time in everybody's life, personally and individually, when you understand your need for Jesus and receive him as your personal savior. When that takes place, that's when God gets to know you intimately and personally, and that's what a relationship is all about. Communication and fellowship and and uh, it's not fire insurance. That if it gets saved because you don't want to go to hell, praise the Lord for that, but there's so much more to salvation than escaping the flames of hell. An abundant Christian life that God wants to carry you through, walk with you through, and love you, and provide for you, and uh, to, to meet your needs. Turn to John chapter 6, and we're done here. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse number 37, Jesus says this. <clears throat> All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John chapter 15 verse 5 says this. Jesus says this. Now after a person has entered into that relationship, uh, God desires for us to be connected to him. Uh, most relationships that are struggling are because they don't have good communication. But uh, in John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Jesus calls himself the vine. He says, we're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can, ye can do nothing. You know, the great privilege of being a Christian is not that we get to go to heaven someday when we die. But the fact that we get to have a personal walk and relationship with the God that gave himself sacrificially for us. And he desires to personally know us at an intimate level. He's not looking for fandom, but relation and affiliation. He's not looking for, I'm a Baptist, ah, 
I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Buddhist, or, or, uh, or this religion, you fill in the blank, he's looking for, I belong to you, Jesus. I know God because I've received the payment that Jesus made for me. God knows me also. I want to ask you this morning, how's your relationship? I want to ask you in closing, though, does God know you personally? Does God know you personally? I didn't ask if you're on your way to heaven. If you know God personally, then you are on your way to heaven. But does Jesus know you personally through relationship? Let's bow. Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace. God, I thank you for that, for that special relationship, Lord. There's nothing like it on this earth, God, that can compare knowing you personally and intimately. God, I pray this morning that your word would have done the work that only you can to the hearts of your people. I pray that we'd have been challenged this morning to know you, yes, but that we know that you know us. Lord, I pray with uh, heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as the piano begins to play, your word would just uh, work in hearts and lives as only you can. I pray that you be glorified. Lord, I pray that uh, you just would confirm a few things in hearts of your people. Those that are saved, maybe there's somebody here that needs to be saved, that needs to receive you as personal Savior. I pray that that happen here. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask a few questions by way of invitation and nobody looking around. I want to ask you this, first and foremost, does Jesus know you personally? Does Jesus know you personally? not does he know that he created you does he know you personally and intimately have you received him as savior entering into that relationship with him with heads about and eyes closed how many here would say yes jesus does know me jesus does know me would you slip your hand up if that's you jesus does know you you've entered into that relationship Jesus does know you. you. May put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Most every hand was up. But I don't think every hand was up. Is there somebody here that say, Pastor Sam, God has spoken to my heart, and I'm not certain that Jesus knows me because I don't know that I've received him as personal Savior. Would you pray for me? There's somebody that I can pray for that you'd get that settled. Would you slip your hand up right now? Pastor Sam, pray for me. Pray that I would get that settled, that I would know Jesus and Jesus would know me. Pray for me that I get it settled, Pastor Sam. Pray for me that I would know Jesus and Jesus would know me. Don't delay. Don't delay. God wants to know you. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Sam, God spoke to my heart about introducing people, introducing others to Jesus. God speak to your heart about that. You got an opportunity this afternoon, perhaps to share the gospel with somebody, somebody that comes on our campus that's not saved. 
All right, let's all stand this